mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. are so excited to come to you from VCTM, the Virginia Council Teacher of Mathematics Conference, and we have had a full day of great workshops, and we are here with a few of our friends who are going to chime in today. This is really fun, Ruth, to share live with somebody else. Right. Not Start in our basement. Yep. Yeah. Um, so at the end of our podcast, if you haven't listened before, um, we hope that you'll follow us. We just started a Twitter account, by the way, so I hope you'll follow us on Twitter also. Um, but if you haven't listened before, we always end each episode with what are your takeaways and after we talk for an hour then we think about like what's the one thing we're going to take away so we want to ask our friends what their takeaway from the day is um april you want to go first are you are you feeling brave sure okay good so get close and tell us who you are what you teach and then give us your takeaway from today all right my name is april hawkins i am a teacher at tunstall middle school i teach sixth grade um, and I am also working on my master's to be a math specialist, like we all are. Yep. And uh, I love math. That's pretty <laughs> much it. That's why I'm sitting here. I attended a workshop today that uh, dealt with um, family math night, similar to what you did. Unfortunately, I could not get a seat. She was packed today. <laughs> tomorrow. I will be back tomorrow. And I attended a family math night that was put on by um, JMU, uh, graduate students and an undergrad student, and they actually bring in pre-service teachers to do these math nights. They have four in the spring and four in the fall every year, and it was amazing because this is something that I really want to get Pennsylvania County on board with, is inspiring kids to think about math, how math is fun, how math is creative. Math is more than just numbers and procedures. And it was amazing to actually play the games and see how they adapt these games for all the different um, levels, uh, especially when you have like brothers and sisters coming. They could play the games with the brothers and sisters, but they might make it more challenging for the older sibling. And then the younger sibling would have access to that math as well. You know, there's some equity there that they can enter into any of these activities. So I'm really curious. It's just math that they do? Because we're doing one at our school that's like STEM. So there's different kinds of things to choose from, but this was just math? This was just math, and what wow, they do that's is... awesome. Yeah, it, would, it really was, because their pre-service teachers actually take these games that they already um, have on hand, and then they adapt them. And there's several steps before the games are put into um, the math night that they have. But it is... Um, it, it was really interesting because the professors were there, and then they actually brought two of their grad students, and we ran through stations and managed to play eight games. And um, it really gave me a perspective of what I can do with some of these families, especially when I hear all the time from the parents, I can't do the math, so how do you expect me to be able to help my child? Right. So maybe if they had you know, some kind of access themselves, the parents or the older siblings, that maybe we could, you know, work towards actually helping the parents too. I'm going to have to look that up. We're doing a STEM night and we're looking at like how to organize it, which for us is the biggest thing. It's only six through eight, but it's bring your family. So if you have younger siblings, you can bring them and it's the first one. So you want to do it well so that 
when you say, hey, we're going to do it again next year, people are like, oh, that's good. We should go. So they started with the elementary schools and then they um, progressed to the middle schools as well. And Hmm. they actually have it in middle school now. And that was really cool that that they actually implemented in an elementary and then went to middle. And they said that uh, one of the things they did say was always have food. Because that tends to bring more people in. But also, you know, have something that, that the kids can play and do. And, and you know, it's not just strictly, you know, paper and pencil math tests. Right. But I really like So, it. Allison, yeah. you said you do it at your yeah. school? Yeah, the people who came, the JMU professors and students, they are doing one at our school um, in Harrisonburg City next on the 21st of March, and they did one last year for us as well. And so they planned all the games. They brought all the games. They brought, like, prizes and so the kids could win games to take home with them. Um, and so us as math teachers, we didn't have to do any setup. We just advertised it in our class, and then we could show up and play the games with the kids and, like, build relationships. But partnering with the university is really important because then the pre-service teachers get the experience, the professors and um, all the people from JMU come, and they do all the work for you. So you just get to come and build relationships. I learned games to bring back to my classroom that I hadn't seen before. And so it's been a really good experience, and I'm looking forward to this next one um, coming up in a couple weeks. I have two questions. Um, this is a little bit awkward. We're sharing a microphone, so <laughs> i just push you out of the way. Um, you said it's four times a year. Do they do it at different schools every time? And then the other question was, um, law. I forgot it. So you can answer that question. While I think about it. <laughs> yes. At least for Harrisonburg City, they did it. We have two middle schools in our division, and they did it at um, Skyline Middle School in the fall. And then they're doing it at our school, Thomas Harrison, in the spring. And so I don't know um, the other two locations that they went to throughout the year, but I know that they do it at different schools. I remember what it was. You made me think of it. Is it part of their coursework or are they just volunteering? I'm not sure about that. It was part of their coursework. Did One of the things that I, that I heard you say was that they were able to adapt the activities on the fly, which a lot of times when, when we do, when Tracy's done things at her school, you know, we have volunteers that are very, you know, their heart's in the right place and they're doing a great job, but they're not, a, they're not able to adapt an activity on the fly for the student they see already has it or for the student they see is struggling and be able to, you know, ratchet it down a few steps. That's a pretty cool thing that is, is not easy to, to, um, to achieve with, with like a a family night like this. Hmm. That kind of plays into the one that I went to. I spent some time at the table talk where there were like 10 different sessions and you just kind of walk around at your own pace and get whatever you need. And, um, Christine King, is writing a book called The Gamification of the Math Classroom. And she's got it finished, K-5, and it's free right now because it's not a book, but she's going to add 6-8. So I would recommend that you get on her website and download that book too. It was four grids, and she kind of spent time at the table talking about how you could adjust them. It's just a grid of numbers, connect four, but what different kinds of games you could play all the way from kindergarten to algebra one where the kids have to connect for. So, Charlie, you were shaking your head. Have you used her stuff or seen her? Uh, We actually spoke to her. um, She was in one of the vendor booths uh, Hmm. this afternoon and uh, this morning. And her her and she and her mother were both there with their different manipulatives. And um, some of the, I guess she had some of her books were already in there. One of the ones Allison actually picked up was Math and Pictures. It was something to that to that nature where you just go out in real world environments and where you see different math being presented, and then hmm. 
putting that in the context for the students, like just going to the to Walmart and seeing um, it was a, like a twelve pack of Orange Crush, you know, twelve cans, two ninety nine, and like, turning that into a proportionality type question, things like that. And she had all these real pictures that you could just kind of use as a base and then build your activity or part of your curriculum on. It was really cool. That was a really neat book that she had. And then uh, some of those were just a uh, curriculum cards with different uh, multiplying, adding, div uh, dividing, and subtracting fractions, showing different uh, representations, models, things like that on, on either side. And she gave those away to us to, to, to use. Um, so we each got, grabbed one and to share. So the, she, she actually has a lot of uh, nice huh. nice uh, resources to, to pull from. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. So, Allison, do you want to, April, is there anything else you want to talk about? No? Okay. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, Allison, do you want to tell us where you teach and what you teach, and then what's your takeaway from today? Uh, so I've already said a little bit. I um, work in Harrisonburg City Public Schools, um, and I'm in the cohort at VCU with Tracy and April and Charlie. Um, and this is my sixth year teaching sixth grade, and I've been in the same uh, school district the whole time. Um, and with the new standards this year, uh, it's been hard to get to the depth of everything. And so I went to one of the sessions on integer modeling, and I used modeling this year with my students, but they still had a really hard time making the connection, remembering the rules months later. Um, and I see students using number lines or drawing the picture still as, they, as they're struggling to remember the rules. They're using those things that we practiced. But today they had like seven or eight different ways to look at it. They had like cars on a number line, little people on a number line, like hot air balloons, vertical number lines, like so many different ways. Um, oh, yeah, the Ziploc bag with a slider. Like you could v physically move the slider on the Ziploc bag up and down the number line, oh, um, really cool. which was really was, cool. Was zero in the middle? Yes, okay. and it was labeled, and the little Ziploc slider had a line in the middle, so you could, like, move three to the right and then move five to the left, and that was really cool. That's cool. Um, so they just wrote on the Ziploc bag, or the Ziploc bag had a number line inside it? It had, yeah, like a piece of paper with a number line printed at the very top. So and if it you work for Ziploc, you should you should run and make a new line of Ziploc bags. <laughs> yeah. That have number Ziploc lines on number it. Line bags. <laughs> they can be those little snack sizes. They don't yeah, need the whole right? thing. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. Um, and so... The one thing the presenter said was you wouldn't use all of these representations for every student. You know, you'd show the main ones to everybody. And then when kids still struggle with the concepts and you're like, here, try this car on the number line. Maybe that will connect with you. Here, try the vertical one with the hot air balloon. Maybe that will connect with you. And just having all these ideas in your tool bag to help students connect with it so that they can deeply understand it. Because not one model will work for everybody. Um, and so that was something that I really appreciated from that session. Okay, you made me think of something, and that's that the whole idea of m multiple models. Mm -hmm. um, I'm getting ready to start fractions on Monday, like just jumping in head first. And oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody today said fractions, the other F word. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel that way. I really like fractions, but I get a little bit, a little bit like they need to know every single model. They need to know the pattern blocks, and they need the. Um, Cuisinier rods, and they need the geoboard, and they need the number line, and I'm like, ah, throwing up models in your face, but I need to just, you make me realize, I need to just slow down, pick a couple, focus on those, and then use the others when they don't get it. But I think there's merit in what you did, and you said you were getting ready to start fractions. I'm going to say that you already started just fractions. one day. I know, but you have to tell us, like, what you did okay. with the fractions, because it was pretty cool. So we ran on, what day was that? 
Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't know. I've lost track. We ran Sunday <laughs> this week. And I doubt I, it was Tuesday. It was probably Wednesday. Okay, whatevs. So thank you. <laughs> so I was like, I need to do some kind of pre-assessment because I really don't know as a group what they know about fractions. We haven't done anything. Um, I wasn't sure that I wanted like really specific data because even if I had that, like, I just, I don't know, I struggle with what to do about with your pre-assessment data. So anyway, we landed on doing this museum idea of where they were making one exhibit of one fraction. So every kid got assigned a particular fraction, like let's say you had one-fourth. And so I laid out every manipulative that I could think of on the floor and on the carpet and said, go, model one-fourth as many ways as you possibly can. And um, so they would go and get the different things and then after they modeled it, they had to model it five different ways. So like Cuisinier rods and the, they, they struggled to use the um, geo boards. They were like using the, the pegs as what they were counting instead of the space in between. Does that make any sense? So it was like, hmm. what are you doing? Anyway, they probably have never used them for fractions. Um, they eventually figured out the hexagons with the, with the, um, pattern blocks, of course, the fraction circles and the fraction squares. I mean, just everything. And then I had a whole list of other things that if you can get five models on your paper, um, what else can you do? Can you add this to, can you add your fraction to something with the same denominator? Can you um, count by your number to a certain number that I'm going to give you? And it was cool. We say this in every podcast, Jay, you're ready to laugh, but it was truly was low floor, high ceiling because Um, Yep, check. Thank you. (laughs) Because some, I had a kid who was struggling to model two fourths. She modeled all over her paper two and one fourth Mm -hmm. instead of two fourths, just every everywhere. But then other kids were like, already thinking about multiplication, and you know, so it gave me a good idea of what they know and don't know. where was I going with that? Multiple models. So I did do one day of fractions, and it was really exciting. I actually right. Um, so they've seen those models, yeah. and I think if you had something that you, you know, a skill they didn't get, you would say, "Let's go back to that." What? Which one did you understand the most? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I took so so. Then they had their desk full of things about their one fra- their fraction, and then I told them to walk around and and they were actually like the what's that called when you're the museum person. I forgot the curator. word. Curator. Curator. There you go. Yeah, like a tour guide. And so they split up, and they were to stand there and let other people talk, you know, tell them, tell your guest about it, and then they swap spots. So I took a picture of everybody's exhibit on their desk, and I really am thinking that, like, I could go back to the pictures of those. Look at how this person modeled it with the um, with the Cuisinier rods. The kids that figured that out was really were really cool. Or look at this kid who was trying to model eights with the hexagon as the whole, and I had to help him a little bit, but he got to two hexagons was the whole, you know. So we could go back. We could keep drawing back to that when we were looking at new models. Okay, thank you. Yeah. All right. So the whole integer thing that you said, I teach sixth grade, so struggling with the same thing, but I'd never used the hot air balloon. Have you been on Desmos? That was my takeaway from the Desmos activity was that they have the hot air balloon and the sandbags, And you just pull, it's at zero, and you put your hot air balloon in the box, and it just moves up a little bit. Mm. And they have to just discover what happens when you put in hot air balloons and what happens when you put in sandbags. Have you guys used that one? I've used Desmos, but not that activity. I haven't heard that that they had one of those. That sounds really cool. It is really cool. But I did learn today that you can't go to Desmos and search for it because a teacher made it, so you have to find it on the outside and bookmark it. 
So if you remind me, we'll put it in our show notes and I'll give it to you afterwards so that you can click on it and then bookmark it and have it in your Desmo. It was really good for like the introduction of integers. There's no numbers, just a little zero. And you can see the, it goes up with the balloons and down. And the balloons are yellow and the, um, no, the, the balloons, yeah, and the sandbags are, are red. red. So it's the positive, negative things that you want to transfer them to. But mm-hmm. a lot of times we're like, this is negative and this is positive. Remember that. But you don't have to tell them balloons are positive because they know helium balloons go up. So oh, That sounds really cool. Yeah. I went to that one too, and I liked it. I thought back to our class because we talked about that model in our class some last summer. All right. Anything else you want to share? Okay, Charlie. Come to the mic. <laughs> All right, tell us where you're, what Hello. you do, <laughs> what you teach, and what's your takeaway from today. Um, Charles Motter, and I teach sixth grade math. That's the common theme tonight uh-huh. um, at Cumberland Middle School. Um, this is year 21 for Woo! me up there. Yeah. Um, so I also went to the integer one. So as a takeaway and then a non-takeaway, I guess, that I wanted to take away but wasn't there for me to take away. That makes sense. We'll have um, to diagram that. Okay, so draw that out. We'll, we'll, we'll Is that some, called a putback? I think that's, yeah, right. Um, yeah, right. The, the, I really liked the number of different manipulatives that they made available, because things you don't think about. Um, they had different colored di- dice in a small Tupperware container and shaking them up like that. Other than sound like a loud maraca in a classroom, that might be a pain, but <laughs> it showed, hey, you can have the positive negative within and then work out your operations. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked the Ziploc bag. That that kind of, everybody went, ooh. <laughs> um, they had a really nice uh, card set uh, that they gave us that we could kind of recreate that make like dominoes. Um, so here's the, oh. a rep, uh, uh, here's a model, some sort of representation. Here's a an, an abstract model with a algorithm um, and the, how they match together with the next card, with the next card, with the next card. Uh, there was like 25, and that, that was really nice. Uh, that was a pretty cool way to do that. Uh, I'm thinking station work. I'm thinking, wow, that would be cool. And when you talked about using a different models, uh, for me, you know, hey, station one might be this model, station two. So you can introduce different models, just depends on how messy you want to get, which yeah. that's not a bad thing. Um, so a lot of cool things like that um, and things that get me thinking, wow, that would be a good little manipulative to throw in there. That's go up to Dollar Tree and buy a bag of army men and have them march up and down the number line. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the one thing that was missing, um, and as you know, as sixth grade teachers, this is the first year we've had to do these operations and we've only had to order them and recognize their existence basically up until this year, um, is multiplying and dividing still. That's what I was looking for. I was like, come on, hit me with it. Um, still waiting for good manipulatives with multiplying other than just saying oh negative times a negative is a positive and just kind of doing that you know just that walkthrough of just that 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 process instead of here's this many and this many and this is why it becomes a positive or other than changing it to repeated uh, addition and things like that but the division and the multiplication still looking yeah for good manipulatives that would work with that you know um haven't been looking too long because it's the first year I had to deal with it, but still adding and subtracting is always the, the favorite that pops up with all the fancy, cute things and mm-hmm. love to, love to find that, that 
multiply and dividing one. So what's the what's the change this year? What's what's been added? Um, sixth grade when the way they re redesigned, I guess the SOLs um, up until this year. Sixth grade, as far as integers goes, it's ordering and placing them on a number line, and basically that that was the extent of it. And then seventh grade and eighth grade, they start getting into the operations. Uh, this year, they as they kind of redrafted the uh, the standards. Uh, that now falls into the sixth grade curriculum, uh, doing the operations with integers, uh, adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, as well as placing them on a number line and ordering them, and all of it is all sixth grade now. And you can't forget the practical situations. And yes. That's something else I'm looking for, is something for multiplication and division practical situations, because with integers, that's really difficult, but it's on there that we have to have practical situations. So up until now, it's been nice to say, hey, Here's the negative down here on the left of the zero. Yep. Have a great time in seventh yes. grade. See you next year. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, yep, we could do more, but I don't right Or now, not or, see you or, next or, year. Let's see what else take <laughs> next year. Except for, you know, I mean, this is what Ruth's come across. You know that the seventh grade teacher doesn't have a model either. You right. know, they're just right. going to get the, the algorithm. So mm -hmm. have you guys had anything that works? I mean, Allison, nothing? No. All right. Well, if you're out there listening, send it to us. We, we need it. For sure. So, I, Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just sitting here. I So in sixth grade for me, it's adding and subtracting, mm -hmm. but it's not multiplication and division. So it, yeah. I'm kind of in that sweet spot. And I, um, one of my favorite lessons is to take them to the football field. Sure. And now I'm thinking, well, maybe we could do negative yardage. I don't know. Like how many sure, penalty. penalties did yeah. you get? That kind of thing. You should get somebody – well, not your school because they're not going to mess with the fields. But like off-season – Number the fields the wrong way. Start with nothing at the middle and go 10, 20, 30, 40 out. Because they in, in football, the 50 is in the middle and the zeros are on the end. Hmm. But if you turned around and had the zero in the middle, and they don't have to paint anything, but they got those markers on the edge. See, that's and mark how I mark 10 it when we go and down 20 there. and 30 and 40 so that it looks like just a the phone line. markers. Yeah. yeah. What just, do you mark? Or just it make with? your own. Yeah. I mean, on it could be anything. Sticking a piece of poster I, board. Take the yeah. PE cones down there and put them on both ends with the piece of paper hanging oh, to it. And cool. we just run until they're so tired, like <laughs> negative 50. They right. just love running. Yeah. <laughs> the but that, whole that, football that field. session was really good with the integers. Mm -hmm. And then the, the other one we went to was just problem solving, uh, doing some of the three act lessons, hmm. um, walking through some of those. Um, I, I had to pull it up because I like the quote that they used. That I think a lot of times we get into the I do, we do, you do. Uh, scenario in the classroom. Like, I'm going to show you, mm -hmm. and then we're going to do it together, and now it's all you. And what they talked about was kind of flipping that around in the problem-solving process, and I'm going to give you just a, just a hint of the problem and have you kind of basically develop your own problem. What, what's, what's happening here? And then as you develop a need for information, then we start working together, and I will slowly start... Um, giving you what, what I think you need to, to do this. And uh, your, your problem might be different from your problem. And I, I just feed that info. And then at the end, I step in. So instead of the I do, we do, you do, you do, we do, then I do. Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of, it, it just kind of evolves in a different way because I think one of the problem-solving uh, issues that we have to solve is a problem with students not really wanting to jump into yeah. that. Like, what do I do? They don't. They want to just kind of not be spoon fed, but be given all the rules up front to the game instead of here's the game, figure it out. They hate uh, the productive struggle. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's that's a that, that was nice. Story. I like that. <laughs> this, this week, I ha- I sorry I tweeted this if anybody saw it ahead of time, but I handed spoiler my, alert spoiler <laughs> I handed my kids a um, Mira. Do you know what that is? Do you guys use the Mira? It's like this. Do you use it? A piece the of plastic mm-hmm. um, that stands up and you can look through it and see a reflection on of an image on the other side. So it helps with transformations. And um, I laid it down on the table, and I was like, we were just in a small group. Actually, one of my student teachers was teaching, and I was like, I'm not going to teach you how to do this. you got to figure it out. And the kid goes, here we go again. I know, productive struggle. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, you're right. He, but he said it, like, not like he was angry, just like, oh, I know what this is called. This is called productive <laughs> struggle. So they, they use that word now, which I think is awesome. <laughs> so thanks for sharing, guys, about your takeaways. Um, I All of – Everybody in this room is presenting, right? So I we love I love to hear like the two. I I'm, I'm I admit I don't know when you're presenting. Have you already done it? Or okay, so I want to hear the like elevator pitch. Yeah, your elevator pitch. Tell us about it and why somebody should come. And um, yeah, Charlie's Allison. like yeah. all eyes on Alice. Yeah. All right. So tell us about it. All right. So I am presenting tomorrow with one of my uh, coworkers. We. Um, both teach sixth grade math. We're right across the hall from each other, and um, we work really well together. And we are going to be presenting on number talks in the middle school. Um, when Sherry Parrish came out with all of her stuff, we heard about her at our local VCTM conference, the Valley Virginia Conference. And so we were really interested in how to bring those like number talk ideas um, into the middle school. And so we're going to be sharing about all these different number sense routines we do, um, different games that, they, that we play with the kids in that um, first 5 to 15 the first five or 10 or 15 minutes of class that we have. So like which one doesn't belong, some estimation stuff, would you rather, um, and just looking at how what we do connects to our um, curriculum and helps build the skills. And this is the first year that we've done it all the way through. We kind of started midway through the year. And so when I'm working in small groups with kids, I've been seeing them like put their pencil down and they're thinking about the problem in their head instead of going to like write out the multiplication algorithm. So they're using some of these number sense skills that they're getting in our number sense routines in the morning. So we're just really excited to share some of the stuff we've been doing there. And it's the last session on Saturday. Yeah. So, so if you're still mine. here, yeah, no. come so, on by. So by now I went and it was great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. <laughs> So I got to know if your whatever number sense routine you're doing or number talk, is it matching what you're doing in class right then or is it kind of random? How do you pick the content? It depends. Okay. So when I was doing area and perimeter with my classes, each of the warm-ups kind of related to area and perimeter or at least shapes. Um, Like which one would you rather, like a room of this dimension or a room of this dimension and why? Um, or looking at, like, how many of these little squares would cover this big square? Like, what would you estimate? Like, what's a number that's too small for it? What's a number that's too big? Um, but other times it's just kind of like review stuff. We flash an image, like, how many did you see? Like, explain what you saw. Or different ratio problems. Um, you know, what are different ways to represent this fraction? So it really just depends on, you know, what we're in the mood for, what haven't we done in a while. The kids really like the quick images. They really like the which one doesn't belong and the would you rather. So we try to throw those in at least once a week. So Um, talk to me about quick images. I saw that today in high yield routines. Are you flashing them for a certain amount of time? Are they on a PowerPoint slide? Where are you getting them? So we have a Google Slides presentation that has all of our year's worth of um, number sense routines are in it. Are you going to share it? Yeah. <laughs> Is that um, not allowed to be shared? <laughs> we, we have one that has the best ones that we have okay. co- correl- like collated together that we're sharing tomorrow, but ours is like 
pages long and not perfect yet. Gotcha. Um, but so we have it on a Google Slides and it's set to like transition. So we put it up for like about three seconds and then we make it disappear. Um, and so sometimes it's just an array. We're asking how many. But once we do that for a while, then we're like, okay, what's half of what you saw? What's three-fourths of what you saw? How did you see it? Um, so I saw one today where she flashed the like algebra tiles and they had to say the equation. Mm-hmm. Like 2x squared plus 4x plus 5. Was it a quick image? Yes. And she said that they love those and they were so good at them. And then when they're writing it down, it becomes like when they're combining like terms and they've only ever seen it written paper pencil, it's really hard. But when they've seen it pictures first, then they visualize that picture again. Yeah, and I've seen on the Henrico's site has tons of number sense routines as well. And they have some of the integer models, like they flash a picture and there's like positives and negatives and it's a quick flash and you're like, okay, what did you see? So some might say, well, I saw this many positive, this many negatives. Like, well, I saw this final answer because I made zero pairs or, you know, and, or they saw the math equation that they saw. Um, so there's lots of different options you can do with that quick image, but it gets them thinking really quickly and they love to to share what they saw in that time. So I'm really curious about managing because I do a lot of which one doesn't belong. And it's mm-hmm. during my, like, I have to send attendance and I have to collect check, work check. How do you do your quick images? Is that not something you would do? I feel like the teacher has to be completely engaged in that where would you rather or which one doesn't belong? They can get started and then the teacher's engaged afterwards. So it's not a warm-up, per se. It comes at a different time in your lesson. So No, it, it's always the very beginning of our class. So we have the kids transitioning, and so the bell rings, and then I start my class. And I only take attendance at the very first period of the day, and we have 30 minutes of morning meeting every day. And so I take attendance during that like class meeting time, and then after that I start class. So there's always a direct start of class, and I always start it with a number talk, and hmm. that is usually teacher-guided. Um, and I've actually seen some things on Instagram from other teachers like having students lead the number talk routine, and so I'm interested in trying that out um, with some of my classes to see if they could lead the discussion after being a part of it for so many months of the school year. Um, I'm, I'm really intrigued by the quick images, and I'm trying to think about how I can use that for fractions. Mm-hmm. Is Henrico your one source for that, or do you have other places you've got them? Um, so Henrico is one source um, from that. Other times we just, like, make our own. Okay. Um, so, and then I have a whole list on my presentation. I just can't remember them off the top of my head. So if you want to say no, we'll edit this out. But are you willing to put, can we share your PowerPoint? Or oh, your absolutely. Yeah, we have a tiny notes? URL for our um, presentation Sweet. tomorrow that you can put on. Awesome. I love yeah. it. And we should, I should pull up this lady's because she had all these images that she was willing to share too. And I got okay. her paperwork. I just don't have it. She's from Roanoke City. So That was the, you went to a number talks in secondary, right? Right, and that was completely different. Um, Theirs was not – theirs was like a number talk where you just put the problem up there. It wasn't the whole – all the different variety that Mm -hmm. you were giving. And I went because it was – it said it was for high school, but they started with how many dots are on the page. So we didn't get to the high school level because we spent Mm -hmm. so much time putting our thumbs up and counting how many different ways we could count the dots. Yeah. All right, so time for your elevator pitch. April, you doing it? Charlie, tell us about yours. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, Charlie and I are presenting tomorrow morning. We're doing a tabletop session 
um, at 8.15. So those of you that want to have some breakfast and come check us out, please do. <laughs> um, we're doing it on CRA assessment, which is um, a project that we both worked on when we were in Leadership 3, and obviously all of us in this room did, um, that are in the cohort. And you did. I didn't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're just going to discuss concrete, representational, and abstract ways of assessing students and seeing where they are. Um, I did this with my uh, one of my classes and have a plethora of examples that they did. And it was a lot of fun to actually examine to see what the kids actually took away from what we did. I did mine on perfect squares and exponents. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool to see them try to apply that to area and try to apply that to, um, you know, powers of a number and stuff like that. So we're going to be presenting on that tomorrow. We have lots of examples, and we hope everybody will come see us. Awesome. So I have two presentations tomorrow. One is during April and Charlie's, and one is during Allison's. <laughs> Divide and conquer. Yeah. So Mitt Boss is my table talk, and it's just a board of all the people that I follow on Twitter and how Twitter should be the place that you go instead of Teacher Pay Teachers or Pinterest um, because there's so many really good math educators that blog about what they're doing. And I've even gotten to the point where, like, I just started GCF and LCM, and I know how I've taught it in the past, and I feel like I've done an okay job, but I started on Twitter, hashtag MitBoss, GCF, LCM. All right, I'm going to throw a flag real quick because – I don't. I mean, I understand what MitBoss is, but if oh, you can, so if you math can, like, Twitter blogosphere. Okay, there we go. It's a hashtag that we right. will like tag a bunch of their stuff on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> hashtag. Okay. You can't see us, but we're. Like, is this is this some dude in a room? His name is MitBoss because <laughs> he is in charge of all the math. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even know how to say it until we went to the NCTM last year. You know, I just thought it was MTBOS, but you have to actually. Sounds like a boy band. Yeah. It's a part of MTBOS. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my second session is how reading Tracy Zager's book, Becoming the Math Teacher You Wish You'd Had, changed the way I taught this year. So we're going to do some of the activities in that book and really talk to teachers about how you can take what you have and change the task a little bit or erase half of the worksheet instead of guiding kids through filling something out in a chart, erase it and let them come up with their own way to do it. And I'm going to do, um, well, I've already done it once, and I'm going to do it again tomorrow, uh, I Love Math Day, and just presenting the kind of the, how that started and what it is and how to make it happen. Today, I was so excited to have two of my students, Matthew and Emerson, and then their moms, and then the dad and the brother, all you know, all of them <laughs> came, and they just made it so much better. It was so fun to, you know, have kids share their thinking, and they're really clear and articulate. Um so Jay, we they can't be here tomorrow. So Jay actually recorded them doing their presentation, and I'll show that tomorrow. So we'll put that their presentation on the show notes. But um, it's just fun to talk about, you know, that and our whole. We have a whole podcast episode about it, so I won't rehash all of that. Listen to episode thirteen. Um, <laughs> but I put I finally I know a long time ago when we did that episode, I talked about the website that um, I was going to put together with all the resources, and that that happened, and it's ready, and it's it's, it's intense. It's so exciting. <laughs> I'm excited for like having that resource because I went really small scale, yeah. but now since it's organized, I can 
you know, maybe include seventh grade too next Woo. year. <laughs> Branching out. I will be watching Netflix and drinking coffee. Okay, great. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we, we shipped the kids off to grandma's house. And so Jay's going to hang out with the alpacas at the Airbnb that we rented <laughs> and watch some Netflix. And yeah, it's awesome. All right. Well, does anybody else have anything else they want to talk about or... I, oh, wait, I didn't tell tell my takeaway. Oh, so, yeah. We didn't talk about the penny one. That was pretty good. Yeah, we should okay, do that I'll one. talk about that one. Okay. I, I do want to say what? So whatever your takeaway is, this is what it is, the penny one. That's what you need to Oh, she about. just told me what she my did. takeaway was. Got it. Right. <laughs> okay. I'm really good at telling her her takeaways. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I do want to say that I went to the Desmos one that you went to, right? Mm-hmm. And it was really good. And I'll and I, they said to share their resources, so I'll put that on there. Um and my takeaway from that one, I'm going to say two, sorry. Uh, my takeaway from that one is that I could use it with my remediation group instead of, I don't have to use it with my whole group. Um, I'm starting after school remediation on Monday, and I'm going to have two kids on Monday and 10 kids Wednesday and Thursday because we need it desperately. And I've been like, what's the thing that's going to make them keep coming? That Just doing more problems that they already don't know how to do is like torture. So this could be that cool thing that they get to do that nobody else does. And that way I'll get more comfortable with the activity part of it, and then I'll be ready to use it in my class. So that was my takeaway. Um, but then the Penny one, okay, this guy was a professor at JMU, and I apologize, I don't know his name. We'll put it on there. Do you know? Ruth is going to look it up. look it up. Okay. And, okay, so you get a cup and you drop pennies from, like, you know, arm's length. You're not bending over. You drop 20 pennies one at a time into the cup and you keep track of your pennies that make it into the cu- into the jar or the cup. So you drop the first one and you make it, you're at one out of one, which is 100%. And then, and then you drop you stop. Your- Right, exactly. I heard a story. Okay, I was listening to a podcast, the making math moments that matter. Right? Uh, yeah, they they had a story about that where the guy had a. Um, okay, we'll link it. But the guy had a contest. Sunil Singh is that his name? I don't know. His guest had a had a contest in high school. I'm really getting on a rabbit trail here. Sorry, <laughs> but he 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 worked the system and he did that exact thing. He answered one question on the contest and turned it in within 20 seconds. And the contest was like number you got right divided by the time and he won because he played the system and then the teacher was like that's not we have to make a new rule you can't do that anymore (laughs) okay so back to the pennies um so then you like kept track and the whole time you're making a fraction and your denominator was increasing and your numerator may or may not be increasing and so then the question was at what point were you doing the best that was the question and it's kind of a cool question because it could be you could be answered in more than one way like well I was I was better than you when I got six in and you only had five in but maybe we had dropped different amounts but the best part was we did it a second time and he gave us you know like bar models where you can see on a piece of paper all of the divisions all lined up together. He had a 1 to 21. So the whole entire time, every time we dropped a penny, we were to color the bar model in again. And it was really cool how it, like, if you made it, then the bar model got bigger. And if you didn't make it, then the bar model got smaller. I mean, obviously, but it didn't really click in my head until I saw it, like, kind of almost looking like a graph going out and coming in. I'll put a picture up of our graph. But um, I liked how they matched the set model because it was really like dropping the pennies in like one out of two or three out of four were in the cup. And then we 
put that on the um, length model. I thought that was a cool connection between those two. Um, so my takeaway is I'm going to try that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use that for comparing fractions and, again, use it as like a jumping off point and a need to use other. I mean, when you have one of your denominators is 17, you don't want to have to find a common denominator. So think, right. yeah. So other ways. his name was Eric. With em- the last name you can't pronounce. Embracia. Yeah, that sounds Embrechia. great. Embracia. Well done. Um, Eric, we're sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... I, it was very interesting for me when we were doing that because the guy behind me um, said he taught in an alternative school where he has middle school kids who've been dismissed for behavior. They're typically really low. And he's like, if I gave them pennies to drop into a cup, they would be really upset if it bounced out and it didn't count. Or they would throw them and they would get angry. And so we started talking about what he could do. And it ended up with... Um, you could use the red and yellow tiles and not necessarily make it a drop, but just flip how many of them are red. And he was like, yeah, but that's still a competition and it would just break out into a fight. And then the girl beside him was like, well, maybe you could watch a basketball game and let them pick one player and keep track of how many times they shot versus how many times they made it. Um, it just seemed like there was a lot of different ways you could do it. Like even he said his wife teaches kindergarten and she did a beanbag and a hula hoop. And they only did five, but the kids still got to see which one, when were you doing your best. And we talked about the difference between one out of one and five out of five. Mm -hmm. Is five out of five better than one out of one? Yes, but is it mathematically different? It was really a lot of discussion could come from an activity like that in class. All right. Well, I have really appreciated hearing your takeaways and your what you're going to be presenting. I wish I could go to all of them, but alas, anyway. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. And I don't know how to end this because we've already said our takeaways. You got any ideas? Um, oh, wait, I know. I should ask you, do you want to run with us tomorrow morning? Because that's how we end our podcast. See you on is. the run. So, And we always say do yes. Do you know where to run? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> so we'll talk about that on the okay. alpaca farm. Oh, yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, well, we'll see you tomorrow on the run. All right. All right. <laughs>